Ooh, it's off-air time. Once a week, uh, myself and Nick Stewart sit down and pull apart the top three stories of the week, according to us. And when I say us, I mean according to me, because Nick doesn't know any of the stories. Uh, This is your news, sport, and pop culture podcast, where I throw three stories at Nick Stewart, and we pull them apart and look behind the media curtain. I'm going to throw them at Nick in a minute, but I'll tell you a little, uh, I'll give you a little sneak peek of what we're going to get into. We're going to do Australia could be the most sex worker positive place on earth. Very controversial stuff. SAS Australia, the show that we didn't know that we needed. And Alex Shooter Williamson's mental health breakdown on stage. These are all coming up. Uh, If you do listen to the podcast each week, we would love to see you in our Facebook group. Just search Off Air, the podcast community on Facebook, and we will put you in there. Uh, And also hit subscribe because then you're going to get the episodes as they pop up each week on your little phone. Tim, Nick, yeah. Let's with Nick and Tim. It's real talk. It's real walk. This ain't gossip. It's just what we say when we're off air. It's real talk. It's real talk. Just two opinions. We spit what we say. We off air. It's real talk. It's true talk. It's two opinions. We spit what we say when we off air. Happy episode 25, Nick Stewart. Oh, man. It's flown by, hasn't it? That's a cool... No, that's half a year. Far out. Let's do Nick picks. Have you got a recommendation for us? Uh, I'm getting ready to be disappointed. Don't be disappointed. (laughs) Do you have a Nick pick for us? I do. I want to shout out to one of our corporate overlords, uh, Woolworths. Uh, <laughs> their brand macro whole foods market, uh, which is like a little in-house one, but they've made it very easy. I'm on a little vegan kick at the moment. Uh, it's not ethical or even really a health thing. I just have a very complex relationship with food and every now and then like to change it up. Uh, but since the last time I did this, their range of easy to grab vegan products has just gone through the roof and it's made it so it? much easier. Well, it's I don't understand. What's the thing that you said at the start? The macro, macro whole foods market. And so that's what a, is that? it's a brand that exists within Woolworths and they okay. source products that are all organically made um, and often are vegan or are gluten free. And they have them easy to grab in supermarkets. So if you need lunch, if you need, if you, if you used to be trying to eat a meat free diet and you hadn't prepared lunch, you were just going hungry. Whereas now there's a whole bunch where you can just walk into Woolies, grab them off the thing. They've got edamame meals. Uh, they have like plantitude, uh, chick free tenders, which are very, very tasty as well. I've seen this. Yeah. Is it good? Yeah. Oh yeah. Actually it's really, really tasty. So it's lovely. Plus your body basically like anytime you eat vegan, my biggest Nick pick would be give it a go every now and then within about five days, your body just turns into a soft serve machine from uh, McDonald's because (laughs) no kidding. The amount of fiber you eat in a vegan diet just makes you so regular. Oh, it's like giving your body an oil change. Oh God. (laughs) Um, Well, good for you. I mean, that's a lot of information that I probably didn't need, but also good for you for doing it. Like um, there are some wonderful benefits, not just on your body, but for the planet, uh, for going vegan. Um, The meat industry and the animal agriculture industry is one of the biggest contributors to global warming, um, deforestation, um, overconsumption of water use. Um, These are all massive, massive things. It doesn't doesn't make me go vegan, but uh, I'm very proud of you for doing it. How long are you going to do it for? I'll probably do it Monday to Friday. I'm going hard for the first two weeks. 
and I'll have a little bit of seafood on the weekend. But other than that, I, I just want to adopt more of it into my diet because my body feels so much better when I do it. I'd highly recommend it, even if you're a massive, because I'm a, like a triple meter day guy at times. Mm. And I would highly recommend if you are listening and you're like, oh, I never want to give that a go. There's a bunch of really tasty stuff out there and it, it changes your relationship with food as well, which is the best part. Okay, my Nick pick. I've actually got two. Can I squeeze two in? Because they're both um, media related, things that you can watch and consume. And I like them both. I didn't know what to pick. I have a podcast for you, which is actually by a friend of ours, um, a girl by the name of Riley Rose, who has a podcast um, called How to Turn 30, and it's great. I had to listen to an episode the other day. It's, it's um, like a docu-series, so each episode is a different topic about turning 30, and I listened to one about uh, her relationship with love, and in it they had, I think it was Mia Friedman, the, the chick from Mamma Mia, yeah. is that her name? Yep, yep, yep. And they spoke about this and I thought it was really interesting because I think that 30, that, that, uh, that, that speed bump in your life or, or, or that moment in your life is something that our generation has really uh, blown out of proportion. I think that we grew up seeing 30 as like a real adult and in our lifetime, that has, it's totally changed. Like what a 30-year-old is now compared to when our parents were 30. Mm. Um, and so, so there's a lot of pressure on people. I'm, I'm 31 and... When I was turning 30, I felt that pressure immensely. Um, so it was, it's a really great series if you are turning 30 um, in the next couple of years or you've recently done it and you've gone through that experience, you might still have that kind of hangover. I would highly recommend checking it out. It's on all the podcast apps, I think. Fantastic broadcaster as well, Riley, right? The second one, I'll be really quick with it, is a new show that's popped up on Netflix. It's called Deaf You. And I love it. It is inclusivity and diversity at its greatest. If you are bored of watching TV shows like The Bachelor because they are all the same, Deaf You is um, about, a, it's a reality show. It's about a university in America that is uh, for deaf people. And the way that the show is built, um, everything is subtitled. There is very little music or anything like that. A lot of the show is quiet and that feels awkward. Um but also it really takes you into the world of these deaf students. And I think if you were to watch the show and you had a hearing impairment compared to um, being hearing abled, it, it would be the exact same experience. And it was, it's just very fascinating as somebody who doesn't live in that world to get to kind of dip your toe in and learn a little bit about it. I love it. That's really cool. Check it out. Deaf You on Netflix. Story number one, Victoria gets sexy. <laughs> Nick? The Victorian government is currently midway through a review into a world first that a lot of people don't know about, actually, because we're all talking about the masks mm. and we're not talking about the demasking. Um, so the government is currently looking into becoming the first jurisdiction in the world to completely decriminalize sex work. Uh, it's being led by MP and sex worker advocate Fiona Patton. And the goal would be to look at creating the bill early next year. So the first jurisdiction anywhere ever to completely decriminalize sex work. It's very fascinating stuff. And my question for you, Nick Stewart, is what area of Victoria will you be moving to? <laughs> I knew that was going to come back at me. Look, um, it, Mornington heard- Peninsula, if I was going to go anywhere. I haven't heard this story at all because obviously it is all doom and gloom. Uh, and when you look at Dan Andrews, you don't immediately think sexy, although he seems to have uh, earned a nickname among a lot of lefties, Daddy Dan. Um, yeah. <laughs> but this, so can you talk me through the nuts and bolts of this? Pardon the pun. Um, yeah. So 
Basically, what's really interesting about Australia is that our the, the sex industry is governed on a state to state basis, um, and at the moment, it's I mean, it's bloody crazy that uh, such a huge thing is governed completely differently according to these kind of pretend borders. Um, but the problem with the different regulations and rules around sex work is that it forces people into illegal sex work. Yeah. And that is where things start to get really, really dangerous for these people. So currently in Victoria, it's partially legalized, um, which means that uh, you can work as a sex worker under certain licenses. So basically in a registered brothel, Mm. um, but street prostitution isn't legal. And so this creates a problem for women. Like if you're uh, if you're just a single woman and you want to be a sole trader, like as compared to working for a conglomerate, you can't. And so then you're forced into illegal sex work. in Queensland, uh, where you are, there they have their own set of rules where if you are a single worker, it is legal, but you're not allowed to advertise yeah. and brothels need to be registered, but multiple people can't work together in a house. So you can so there are all of these crazy different rules in all of these different places. And Victoria is looking at being the first place to just go, you know what? It's legal. So legal. how do you regulate uh, I guess, firstly, how do you regulate it? And secondly, how do you keep people that choose to work in this industry safe? Uh, and I understand that the laws are really archaic at the moment, and I'm not saying they do that, but generally, mm. um, you know, people that work in this industry that are out on the streets are really at risk of violence, uh, robbery, sexual violence, and that's a bit scary. Yeah, so I think the problem is that um, a lot of these rules tend to backfire and hurt mm. people who do work in the sex industry in different ways. And so by completely decriminalizing it and removing any of that stigma, you actually create an empowerment for the people within the sex industry. And also you've got to remember that decriminalizing sex work doesn't decriminalize things like rape, assault, human trafficking. So a lot of those questions about like, well, what happens if somebody, uh, you know, were to assault a sex worker who's working on the street, that's still illegal. You can't, this isn't going to promote any of those other things. And in fact, it's going to mean that there's more policing to be done, especially around things like human trafficking, because often that can be linked with the sex industry. Yeah. Um, But it doesn't need to be. I mean, you could human traffic somebody and make them to force in a bakery, make them to work in a bakery if you wanted to. Yeah, but it is. That's the difference is that it is like it's these things. You're talking about them as if they don't exist and they absolutely do. Like if if you're keeping a sex worker on the street, I just don't think that's safe. Just the same as I wouldn't think it's safe for anyone to be out on the street late at night standing on street corners and and offering themselves in different ways, I guess. Like I want to know how this helps that. Is, is my question. Like, it's obviously, it's a, it's, it's like legalizing uh, marijuana or drugs. Like the, there, there is a black market that's strong enough that it's already an economy. So how do we improve the situation of people that work in the sex industry? So I think what tends to happen when you uh, decriminalize certain aspects of something is you keep stigmas and 
um, you create a more dangerous environment because people are already working in an illegal realm. Mm. So, for example, um, in some of the Nordic countries, I think it's Finland, um, what they have done is they've got a really unique way of dealing with sex work. They have completely legalized sex work itself, but using a sex worker is illegal. So you can be a prostitute, but you can't go to a prostitute. Now, they thought that they were being very progressive and that this was a very clever idea, but actually what it did was it made um, Johns, so the people that go to use prostitutes, um, much, much more dangerous because they were doing something that was illegal. So now all of a sudden the hair on the back of their neck is standing up. If somebody asks for a credit card or something, they don't want there to be a paper trail. And so it's actually increased the amount of assaults on sex workers which is very interesting. It is. So what we are looking at doing is decriminalizing every single aspect of it. And I think that if there were areas where people were soliciting on the street or in different ways, I think it means that the police would have to up their game. Well, it's actually illegal to solicit anything on the streets, isn't it? What do you mean? To solicit anything? Like to sell, a, I don't know, a, a watch or to say, hey, I'll walk your dog for 10 bucks or something yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. Like if I was to go down to Burke Street in Melbourne or Queen Street in Brisbane and just stand on the corner, I'd need a permit from council to do that. So maybe that's an answer. Maybe, maybe. I just don't think street sex work is good in general. I don't think it's a hell, I, I don't think it's safe for people that work there. If you're in an well, apartment and you're able to advertise, then that takes that away. But I think that that black market aspect of this industry is always gonna gonna cause problems. Yeah, but at the same time, when you decriminalize something, you empower women so that they can work out of their own homes. So if, for example, it's illegal for you to have somebody to your house and sell a, a sex to them, yeah, then you are funneling women into the streets. Yes. And if you have a system which is which what we have at the moment where uh, registered brothels are legal but nothing else is, then you're forcing women into a situation where they have to go and join up with this team and they are, are often taken advantage of by a kind of pimp situation by somebody who runs those brothels. So really what you're doing is even though um, and, and I'm purely speculating, obviously, like I'm not an expert in this, even mm. though we would be dec- decriminalizing all aspects of it, I think it would be empowering women to do it in the safest way or in whatever way they felt the most comfortable. And whether that was advertising online and having people to their house or teaming up with people and having shared apartments or working in, in proper brothels or something, that would be up to them. I think it's pretty exciting. I think it's a bit tokenistic. Um, if, if I'm being honest, I definitely think that as a concept, it's exciting, but mm-hmm. it's not going to reduce the sex trafficking industry. Like that industry is still absolutely going to exist because they're going to be cheaper. Um, and it's going to continue to bring those people in. Like, it's like when in other countries, when anything has been legalized or gone or gone through a decriminalization process, the black market still exists. And that's, and, and yeah. I think that that is going to continue and it's just a little, it's a little narrow-minded to just think all of a sudden it'll become this happy, fluffy place when it is a place that has always had intense amounts of crime and violence behind it. And I don't know that decriminalizing it is going to immediately take away a social stigma that's existed 
since the dawn of time because they say it's the oldest profession. Like this yeah. is this has always been something. And I, look, you know me. I'm a massive advocate for anyone's rights if someone wants to actively choose to do something with their body. The unfortunate thing is a lot of people that are in this industry don't actively choose. And I've seen a heap of stuff on pedestrian or vice news and that type of thing with really empowered, happy sex workers. And I think that that's fantastic and good for them. But I think it's wrong of us to shine the spotlight of them and ignore the sex trafficking side of this because mm. it, 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 is a, it is a real part of this industry. I think that you're right. Um, but at the same time, it's a separate problem. And so, uh, I mean, I don't think that sex trafficking should be advocated for, and I don't think that we should make it easier to traffic people for sex or traffic people for any reason. Hmm. But at the same time, it is a separate problem and it needs to be dealt with separately. And I, I'm just not 100% sure that uh, decriminalizing sex work is going to make those floodgates all of a sudden burst open. No, no. If and I don't, I don't think it will, but I don't think it no. solves. I'd rather see that problem be worked on than... Yeah. This 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 problem, which already has a fairly, it already exists, as you said. In and I guess the laws are different in Queensland, but people are allowed to be sole traders. They're not allowed to advertise, but there's shitloads of websites where people yeah. do. And so it's you know if someone's looking for that, they can find it. It, it. it happens, and brothels have been a really big part of Queensland forever. So yeah, I just I would rather see them work towards stamping out sex trafficking and stamping out yeah. the exploitation of these people. Do you think that if you decriminalize something, then it potentially empowers somebody who may have been trafficked? Because if you've no. been trafficked, you could have the fear that if you go to the police, you have been doing something wrong yourself and you will be arrested and put in jail. No. But by decriminalizing it, the woman themselves, the woman is not doing anything wrong personally. No, because these people, um, uh, it's a criminal underworld. Like what is it? It's it. I'm not saying it's bikies because I don't necessarily know who it is, but it, these are gangs um, who are controlling these networks, and I don't think these women would ever feel safe going to police, even if it wasn't decriminalized. Like these, mm -hmm. a, a lot of these people have ha, have really had their like confidence beaten down for lack of a better word, or they are beaten down. Often people try to hook them on drugs. There's huge amounts of violence. And I think there's a general, general feeling. And I'd say even more so in Victoria and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a general sense and a general feeling that the police aren't going to help you more than these people are going to hurt you. Yes, potentially. Yeah. Yeah. There, there I mean, there's a distrust in police everywhere. So oh, yeah. I think that that's, Yeah. So especially if you've been exposed to this world, I don't all of a sudden think it's going to make someone who has, has had their whole life and their rights as a human being completely violated all of a sudden feel empowered to go to a police officer because they're just going to think the people are going to fucking kill them. This, like the, and also the way we've seen our court systems operate, like we, we see consistently rapists get bail. So, you know, we don't do anywhere near, near enough in this country, and I'm not saying other countries do a better job, to protect people around sexual misconduct, sexual violence, and sexual crimes. That we, we just flat out don't. So I don't think it's going to... It might make life a bit easier for the people who are fortunate enough to choose to get into this industry, but I don't know if it helps the people who haven't chosen and who've been pushed into this industry. Yeah. I think it'll be really interesting to see what it does do. I think... I hope that it does happen. Yeah. I think that you raise some very good points, but at the same time, I think that a step in the right direction, even if it is small, is still a step in the right direction. So yeah. I'm really looking forward to seeing what impact it has. And hopefully we can separate those two things and go, okay, so then human trafficking needs to be 
looked at much more seriously. I'm sure it's looked at seriously. <laughs> no, they could be doing more. like, oh, we'll get around to that later. <laughs> it's low on the list. Story number two. Australian SAS is the anti-reality show that we didn't know that we needed. <laughs> oh, my God. Nick, there have been about 17 stories that have come out this week from this show that launched this week on Channel 7. Uh, there have been two episodes so far. I didn't even know where to start. <laughs> there have been so many stories. Every news publication that I check, there are about two or three headlines that come out of this brand new show. Uh, but I think the greatest conversation is uh, that Basically, Australia just has finally created a reality show worth watching. It's been a long time. Well, there we didn't create it, in fairness. The UK did. We Australia, redact that. <laughs> Australia has finally stolen a reality show <laughs> worth watching. <laughs> but it's great. We finally have inter- – there are diverse characters. There are a lot of female athletes. There are flawed people who are openly seeking redemption. We have mm-hmm. uh, people like the Honey Badger and Chappelle Corby, who has already um, uh, taken off her number. Spoiler alert, she's left the show. Um, but it's really blowing up. Have you watched it? Have I have watched uh, I have watched parts of it. I really liked the UK version, and I was excited to see the Australian version. I was going to ask you, because I think we headed toward, like, we're getting, we're inching closer and closer to Caligula's Rome, like we're getting closer to the gladiatorial period. And I think it, it initially started when we put all those celebrities over in Africa. And I remember, what what's that one called? I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. And the, first, ep- the first episode, Chrissy Swan, radio personality, former Big Brother host, was pinned down in a pentagram and had cow dung poured on her face. And I was like, oh, we're nearly oh. there. And then there was the um, Survivor All-Stars series uh, or All-Stars versus Superstars or whatever it was where they got them to fight on a barge and actually wrestle each other. And one guy did his ACL and I was like, getting closer. And then I <laughs> flick on the TV and there is Roxy Jacenko, PR superstar, getting punched in the back of the head by Candace Warm- Warner, former Iron Woman. And I went, yes, bring forth it. the lions. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Coliseum. We're here. Uh, so oh. it's awesome, man. I love that show. And it's great. I-, I was just actually, funnily enough, reading about the spotty pass. You know the main real tough nut SAS dude on the show? Yeah. He yeah. beat the shit out of two cops over in the UK in 2013 and went to jail oh, that, for a period of time. Is that why he got dropped off the UK show? Yeah. Do, or is that a separate thing? <laughs> no, no, no. I think that's a redemption thing. Like, he's already come back. Yeah, this was back in 2013. He went to jail. Yeah. he was. I mean, these guys are proper SAS dudes. And yeah. you and I have both lived up in uh, Townsville, which has a massive base and quite a few SAS dudes up there. They're a different breed, man. Those guys are hard. Like they have been programmed to work on a different level to normal humans. Yes. What I like about this show is because you kind of mentioned a couple of other shows where they make celebrities or B-grade celebrities do wacky stuff. And I think that when you watch I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, that's exactly that. You know, we're going we're gonna to spin you around and throw snakes at you. And you're really watching something that is just, it's Looney Tunes. It's like, this is a face that I know doing something that I wouldn't expect to see them do. Mm. Whereas... Australia has a really deep ingrained appreciation for our armed forces mm-hmm. and especially for our special forces because they're world renowned. I mean, for a small country, our special forces have had huge impacts in international wars. So what we're, what we're seeing are 
these celebrities who are B-grade celebrities, whatever, but really putting themselves to to the test in something that's very real. And I think that for the first time, we're seeing these celebrities be exposed and be challenged. Like those, uh, I'm a celebrity, get me out of They're They're camping. They're yeah, really just camping. Fun. They all get smoking breaks in that show, which I didn't know. whereas yeah this is this is proper hardcore shit like interrogations and hopefully i hope it ramps up it'll be interesting to see who makes the cut in the end who's your money on um i think that merrick is taking it very very seriously yeah uh and i actually watched an instagram live with him after the first episode and he said that that fight that he was in Mm. um in the boxing match it cracked his rib yeah against mitchell john again merrick watts Sort comedian. of like comedian, semi pudgy for parts of his career, now pretty fit, not a professional athlete. And yeah. <laughs> Mitchell Johnson, very much every part of a professional athlete. And he's an athlete that, yeah, he played cricket, but he probably could have played rugby league, rugby union, AFL. Like he is fit. And, and then in episode two, Merrick had to fight um, James Magnuson, the swimmer. Yeah, yeah. So he, he's really, I mean, not to mention that then you've got the honey badger thrown in there as well. Um, I think biggest thing on the show so far, everybody's been talking about Chappelle Corby being on it. Mm. Did you manage to catch much of her and her kind of redemption experience? Well, short-lived redemption experience. I, I, mm. I, the, I, I didn't know what she sounded like. That's the weird, no. that, that is the weirdest thing. I've heard. Is that weird? That the funniest thing I've had about that show is was, was like, man, Chappelle Corby has a real squeaky voice. Ellie, my girlfriend, turned to me and she was like, is that her real voice? Yeah. But yeah. I'd never heard her speak openly before. I think because she didn't do very many interviews and she was in a Balinese prison for 13 years. But she's, but it's so weird to think that she is someone that every single person in Australia knows. And we've probably never heard her speak publicly. Really? Yeah. Um, so she was somebody that I think a lot of eyes were on going into this show. We've actually, when this show was first, when the first promo popped up, this was a topic on our podcast saying, should we be glorifying a former drug smuggler? And so a lot of people were watching Chappelle very, very closely to see how she would go. I was really impressed by, um, seeing her kind of open up and, and and be a real person who has gone through some fucking hard stuff. And when you're watching her, you know, be TV interrogated by these real SAS people, these SAS guys have been through a lot, but none of them have been in a prison for 13 years. So for me, I was, I, I was really impressed by how she held herself. I was unimpressed that she checked out the minute they made them do physical exercise and she literally couldn't do a job. <laughs> Man, I'm on, Chappelle, I'm on Chappelle's side with that. You know, yeah. if you're gonna make, I'm sure she, God knows how much she was paid to go on that show and, and how much money she may or may not need. I, I don't think it'll, but she also in the interviews after that, she hasn't seemed actively, like I think she went on it to test herself. I don't know that she went yeah. on it to improve her profile. So look, it's a great show. It's great to see some people that aren't, the fuckwits that are on Married at First Sight and The Bachelor. That's the best yeah. thing because all those two shows have so quickly merged into each other and it's just the same dickheads on both of them, the same Botoxed up, fake, um, self-righteous, egotistical, fame-hungry losers. And it's just nice to see something that isn't up for a change. So, I mean, kudos to them. It's no Grand Designs Australia, which, by the way, the fifth season dropped on uh, ABC iView, but sure, whatever. Who's your? You asked me who my pick was. Do you have a pick for Astoridi? 
I reckon he'll stick through, even though he's the instigator and he's being a bit of a dick at the moment. But uh, yeah, I think he. It, it, plus, he's short and mobile, which like helps in a lot of these things. A lot of SAS guys are quite small yep. and lithe, so I think he's got some natural advantages. Obviously, the professional athletes should probably do okay as well. <laughs> the other person who we haven't touched on is Sabrina Frederick, and she's the AFLW um, player. Mm. And I mean, she's really stepped up the fact that in the boxing match, she got to choose whoever she wanted to box and she chose to fight the honey badger, who is obviously like, I was looking at that list of people and I've boxed a little bit and I've gone, who would I choose? You wouldn't choose the honey badger. He's obviously the only, you know, very, very recent professional athlete and, and for very, very physical sport. Who would you choose? I think I probably would have. I can't tell how tall Faras is, but I would say that we're no. probably uh, shorter. I than reckon. You. I reckon he's like five three. Do you think? Yeah, but he's quite solid. I've I've actually I've met him once. I don't remember. I think he is shorter than me. Um, I don't know. Probably maybe Merrick because he's like fit, but but tall. So he and kind of comes from the the media world, the same as us. Who would you have fought? Yeah, Merrick. Uh, Mitchell uh, Mitchell Johnson would spoon feed me violence. Like it wouldn't even be, it wouldn't even be a competition. That guy, I've seen that guy just box in general. Like it, I remember watching training videos of the Australian cricket team, but everyone else is kicking around an AFL ball, and he's just standing to the side hitting pads. So I don't think it's foreign to him. He's he's just a machine, and he'd be yeah. the only other one sort of in my height and weight bracket. So I, I guess James I, Magnuson. I, I'd feel pretty comfortable with. Generally, swimmers are pretty pretty not good at other things. I was going to use a very non-PC word there, but usually they don't have great body control. Bidunko. Okay. Yeah, that's the I way. think the, the other thing that um, Sabrina Frederick is going to bring is that she, uh, you know, she hasn't started out in an industry that has just immediately praised her. Like mm. growing up as a woman of color in a female sporting arena, um, I think that she would have fought some battles in her time. And I think that she's going to be one to watch 100%. So, yeah, it's cool. I love it. I just love that we have a show that has some honesty and also that takes celebrities generally, uh, genuinely out of their comfort zone and shows um, a deeply exposing angle on them. And I think that it's good for the industry to have that instead of glitzing people up to bear all and allow people to see these celebrities as human beings. And I think that that's probably better for kids to grow up with. I know we speak a little bit about uh, putting celebrities and putting athletes and stuff on pedestals. I would rather put them in real world scenarios and put them in real challenging things and expose them as real human beings. Um, I think that that's good for us as a country. Yeah, I agree. It's good to have flaws. Too much? I like the show too much? A little. (laughs) But I know what you like. You love. See, it's weird because you're not like the biggest sports fan, but you you fucking love competition. Like you're mm. anything that involves a level of competition, you're all in on. So it doesn't surprise me. Like it's why you love Survivor and the Amazing Race and things like that because it's it's like a hardcore competition. And yeah, and yeah so it doesn't it doesn't surprise me. Go for it, man. Story number three. It's all because of mental health. Uh, YouTube and comedy star Alex Williamson, you might know him as the loosest Aussie bloke ever. He's gotten himself into some trouble this week. Uh, he was performing a stand-up comedy show in Adelaide at the White Rhino, and a video has gone viral of him getting into a very aggressive argument with a heckler. The video is pretty long, but it starts with him turning on the heckler um, and making fun of how the guy was raised 
The guy then says back, my parents are dead. And Alex says, I'm glad they're dead so they didn't get to see their son evolve into such a fucking useless sack of shit. Mm. You can imagine, Nick, that that didn't go down very well. Uh, Believe it or not, didn't de-escalate the scenario. In fact, it got worse. Um, The two were yelling at each other in the comedy room and then eventually Alex walks to the edge of the stage and this comedy room is such so that the edge of the stage kind of is the same height as the tables. Mm. And he then starts to step onto the closest table, which is where this guy is sitting at, and starts kicking drinks off the table at him and kicking glasses. That obviously escalates things even more. And uh, then people in the crowd start throwing glasses. And one of them, not sure if it's a glass or a can, something hits him in the head. Um, he's then basically removed from the stage. The show is uh, wrapped up. Since then, have you seen the video, by the way? Yeah, it's a tough watch. It? It's a real tough watch. <laughs> it's very it's tough. The the one part of the whole video I don't understand is, like, having been around comedy a lot, done a li- very little bit of stand-up, I'm not very good at it, always got to preface that, um, and been at a lot of open mic nights, I don't understand why the security doesn't get involved earlier. Like, it's it's ages before the security get involved at all. Didn't you find that weird watching it? I mean, that's a pretty small... I think it's a pretty small room that he's in, and it's very possible that there wasn't security there. They might have been at the front door. I don't mm. know. I, I don't know the, sp- the specifics. Yeah, it is weird that it was able to escalate to that level. It's hardcore. Sure. There's multiple people throwing drinks at him. <laughs> yes. He's and also, quite he a few. does not back down he no. just keeps he picks up his, his own chair yeah at one yeah point. yeah yeah it's what the whole scene was wild hey i was like oh that's right i remember that guy from a few years ago on youtube and yep. b i was i because well finish the whole story first and then we can get into it yes yeah, so this isn't the end of the story the story is not just that there was a terrible comedy show that ended in a bar fight the next part of the story is more what i want to get into so since that has happened, he has, Alex Williamson, the comedian, he's jumped onto his Instagram and he's done a photo and a post, a photo of himself smiling. And he said, I'm smiling in the sun as I tell the world about my mental health issues because it's the best thing I ever did. Lots of things that play below the surface over the last two weeks as I underwent an episode. Things you could only speculate on without a proper understanding. I'm seeing a doctor tomorrow to give them a proper understanding, although they won't go and write an article about it. If you see the same darkness I saw, I encourage you to speak to a loved one. Goes on a little bit. Um, Nick, is mental health just becoming an excuse for literally anything? Well, I hope not. I mean, let, let, let's, let's cover the bases first. First things first. Mental health does not give you an excuse to act carte blanche as an asshole. And I think we need to, you know, it's very hard for a lot of people to have a full understanding of mental health, myself included in that, Uh, even though I have had experiences of situational depression in my life. And I have people in my life that are manic depressants and, and, and have bipolar and suffer acute anxiety. It never gives you an excuse to be a massive asshole. It depends how he wrote that post to me, because if he watched that video back, I, if that was, I tried to put myself in his mind. And if I was to watch that video back, I'd be really shocked and appalled in my own behavior. I'd be really embarrassed with what I did and embarrassed to the way 
I exposed myself to so many people and, and there was uh, news articles on pedestrian about it and news.com.au. Um, and I would probably look at that and be like, shit, I need to go talk to someone. Does, is that a fair thing to say? Cause I, 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 I don't, it depends a, the way you I, interpret it, I guess. I think that that is a fair thing to say. I think that he probably did see it back and go, oh my God, I need to go and talk to somebody. I also don't think that acknowledging that you have a mental health problem and saying that you are going to go and talk to somebody um, is an excuse. No. Or, and, and I also don't think that, that, that addressing those things is addressing the whole story. Yes. So he literally, he starts the physical altercation. He's kicking glasses on a table at somebody. Yeah. Um, and what's missing from this, and I think it's very big of him to start a discussion about his mental health, but what is missing from this post is an apology to the people that he, I mean, assaulted, like he kicked drinks at people. Yeah. Uh, I don't understand why And in, um, in the pedestrian article that I got a lot of this from, uh, the final thing was, uh, get better mate. And the, the whole article was, was angled around this poor guy. He's had an episode on stage. Yeah. Can I just call out some steaming bullshit there from pedestrian? And this is something pedestrian do all the time, which is owned by channel nine, by the way, just as a side note, if you weren't aware, it's not some sort of fucking hipster subculture website. The day before they wrote an article where they were openly criticizing the shit out of him. And really? then he's, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he's popped this post up and the next day, which they do, or they are the biggest criminals of they do this all the time like the the author fucking tore strips off him for his behavior and all of this and and was basically like some youtube nobody that you know all his act is about this and that and then the next day because he popped that post up they're like oh you know shooter get well mate good on you and neither of those two approaches are correct Mm. that's the Mm. thing and, 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 you know, people are so afraid to tread lightly around this. And both you and I are trying to tread lightly because we want to be respectful of people that do have mental health issues. And if he does have mental health issues, it's great that he is seeking help from people. Um, yes. You're right. There was no apology in there. There was no apology to his fans either or people who've been loyal to him, which is also probably needed. As I said, it never excuses shitty behavior. It's important mm. that he has acknowledged his shitty behavior needs, needs, needs improvement. Yeah, I I mean to go back to that that media angle and obviously you and I coming from the radio world, uh we've both been in in the situation where you have to have those conversations about something that's potentially happened on air. Yeah. And you have to have that really dark conversation which is if something really bad were to come of this. Like let's say somebody were to do something to themselves mm. and this was the last article that we published or these were the last things that we were to say about them on air. Um, is that going to be, uh, how damaging is that going to be for the company, for the brand and all of those things? And I know like that sounds so callous. No, but it's a very um, corporate way to look at but, it. And we worked in but, commercial, we work in commercial yeah. media. It, it's and, part of it. We, we undergo ethics training. And well, yeah. And I feel like, uh, in this situation, um, this guy, Alex, is taking advantage of that and knows that by putting his hand up and going, Hey, I've got some mental health difficulties. Everybody all of a sudden has to turn the story around. And we exactly like what you said with pedestrian going from one extreme to the other tearing strips off him to, Hey, get better mate. 
and I, I worry that, uh, I don't know, I, I don't feel like we should be able to simply play a mental health card and that be a get out of jail free card for any type of behavior. I don't know why any of this was like publicized. I think that's the bigger thing for me is I don't really understand why any of this was a giant issue that required national coverage. Like, you see, that is, is Alex Shooter Williamson, the guy that has did a bunch of YouTube videos eight years ago, big enough. Like he's, he wasn't playing, uh, you know, the Spiegel tent on tour. He wasn't, he wasn't, yeah. you know what I mean? You're right. He was he in some wasn't back alley. He was selling out Suncorp Stadium no, yeah, for an was, arena spectacular. It, it wasn't Ross Noble coming off the stage and kicking people's drinks in their faces. Like he looked rattled. He probably isn't super stoked with life if he's performing in small bars in Adelaide. And he probably, he probably is facing some shit, man. Like, I think the bigger issue here is the amount of, it's not the bigger issue. That's the wrong thing to say. But we, you and I have touched on this before. Because you're good at YouTube doesn't mean you're good at stand-up. Just like because you're good at stand-up doesn't mean you're good at radio, because you're good at reality TV show. Like, these are all different skills. They're all creative yeah. arts, and they're all different skills. And a YouTube, YouTube people get handed so much stuff where you're like, man, I don't know if it was right to expose them to that level. Because as you said, us walking, working in corporate media, we have a lot of training. We have, um, you know, we, we get ethics training. We get all these things. Whereas that doesn't happen when you're just plucked off a YouTube channel and chucked onto these major stages and major platforms. Yeah. I think um, you, you've actually previously, because we've spoken about stand-up comedy when it goes bad before mm. in the past on this show, and you've said um, your angle has been that capitalism will kind of sort itself out. Yeah. And I think that this is a really good example of that. I think that um, I hope that he does get the help that he needs. Um, I think it's very big of him to start discussing mental health in front of his huge audience. I think he has tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of followers across his different social media platforms. Um, but also I think that a lot of people are seeing through this move. Uh, I jumped onto that post and the top two um, comments, one of them was a guy called BF Munchkin and he's commented nice. saying, stop blaming mental health, you bellend. Um, and SB Styler wrote, keep it up, Shooter. Respect for coming out about your mental health issues. It's important that more people do. So if this does deal a blow to his career, then, I mean, I think that that's probably fair, not because he has mental health problems, but because he acted like a cock and smashed glasses at people. Um, and people don't want to go to a comedy show where they might have glasses smashed at them. <laughs> <laughs> no, and not only, not a, yeah, I think you're right. But not only that, but it's like, if you're going to do that, you better not be performing that night. Like if you're going to, if you're going to come out in a post and say that you're addressing your mental health issues, don't be, and I don't know if he is or he isn't, but if I, if I was him from a perspective standpoint, don't, I wouldn't be doing a gig that Friday. Like, because that's a real, it, it's the stand up comedy is the rawest thing I think you can do in my life. It's the rawest thing I've ever done. Uh, and I found it so confronting and that was a big part of the reason why I wanted to go do it. And so if you're, yeah, I would never recommend someone with like, who is going through episodes at the moment, exposing themselves in a stage in front of people where you're only talking your own thoughts. That's a really tough thing to do. Mm. It'll be interesting to see what happens to him. Maybe he'll end up on SAS Australia hey, season two. Shooter, hey. get him in there. <laughs> Drop it, give me 20, Shooter. Come on, mate. 
his redemption story. All right, I think we wrap it up there, Nick. Thanks for another week. Thanks for pulling apart the top three stories uh, with me. No worries, man. Love it. Always. Thank you. Anything you want to leave people with before we get out of here? Vegan. Body like a soft serve ice cream machine. That's all I'm saying. Give it a go. Disgusting. Um, if you are still hanging out with us at the moment, then we have a Facebook group we'd love you to be a part of. Join Off Air, the podcast community. Just search for it in Facebook and click join, and I will give you access, and then we can talk about all the different topics that we discuss each week. Um, and hit subscribe as well, because we try to drop this at some point on Wednesday afternoon, but it moves around a little bit. And so if you hit subscribe, you will be the first one to know when each episode comes out. Otherwise, catch you next week. Bye.